think I'm being followed. In fact, I'm pretty sure I am. So, I'll try to make this as quick as I can. But there's a lot to tell, so hopefully predestination awards me the time needed to get this whole thing off of my chest. Well, I suppose it's been a long time coming anyway. So let me start at the beginning, and hopefully I won't get off topic. My name, well, isn't really important. Neither is my age, height, eye color, or any of that crap. All you need to know is that I'm a man, in my late 20s, who lives alone. I've never experienced anything supernatural. Never anything so strange that it couldn't be explained away with logic. And I generally don't scare easily. I also have never been stalked either. Well, that is until recently. This whole damn thing started with that first unmarked envelope. I'm a data technician. I work 9 in the morning until 5.30 at night, day in and day out. Allotted coffee and lunch breaks are strictly scheduled, and the small space in which I work is nearly devoid of natural light. Only a small window to the outside in the corner, high in the air on slate gray wall. Days come and days go exactly as the previous before them, and the monotony is enough to drive those with a weaker mental constitution, mad with uniformity and tedium. There is an upside, though. I do work alone. Each day I take off my jacket and punch in on my desktop computer, after which I attend to the various emails and other such digital messages that describe my duties for the day. Sometimes I have to actually venture forth from my little crypt, and work on the actual hardware that is having issues, somewhere in the building. But more times than not, the complication can be resolved from the comfort of my desk, via the computer and the telephone. Life is mundane, to say the least. But I prefer it this way. I'm a loner by nature, never having been much of a social butterfly. I tend to come across as slightly awkward in the most communal situations. See, I don't even like to receive mail at my house, which is the main reason I have a P.O. box that I pay for monthly. About as much thinking goes into most of my days as Einstein picking out his clothes, which is no thought at all for those of you who don't get that one. You see, one object... One simple, plain, white object is all it would take to jar me from the commonplace happenstances of expected everyday living. I can remember clearly. The sky was overcast. It was late March and spring had come early. The snow had melted and the temperature was well above freezing. But this meant that the rainy season came early as well. It had actually been cloudy and pissing small droplets of rain from the heavens for at least three days straight. And this didn't help the strengthen my enthusiasm with life at all. But then again, I mean, <laughs> what did I expect? I liked it this way. You see, things work this way. and could never work any way else. I pulled into my drive after work and climbed from my little Ford Contour. I broke into a slight jog towards the door to avoid getting wet, even though it was barely precipitating at all. 
just for ritualistic sake, I opened the metal box on the exterior wall next to my front door, and I reached inside. Now, Usually only junk mail and flyers made its way into my mailbox at my home address. The most significant delivery I had ever seen was an electric bill, which was the result of a mix-up, a mix-up I had remedied quickly, ensuring future ones would be sent to the post office instead. I clenched my fingers together tightly around some thick paper-like objects and pulled them free to inspect what I now held firmly in my grasp, an invitation to change my car insurance garbage. An offer for a pre-approved credit card. Don't need that. It's garbage. And then, a blank envelope. It was rectangular, white, seemingly immaculate. It looked like every other standard letter-sized envelope, but something about it jumped at me like an animal attacking my thoughts. There was nothing written on it. Like I said, it was utterly blank of writing, a postmark, a stamp, uh, anything. It seemed as though somebody had physically come by and simply placed it in the mailbox next to my door, passing over the mailing part entirely. And as I've already made very clear, I'm a loner. I don't have many friends, and the ones I do have for all intents and purposes only exist online. Now, four words continuously echoed through my mind, demanding answers I could not provide. Who put this here? Maybe another person would have torn open that white paper right then and there in the street, revealing the contents inside. I, on the other hand, was patient enough to wait until behind locked doors. I hastily entered my home and shut the door behind me with a loud clap. My hands were, they were definitely shaking. Now I know this because the picture I held firmly in my fingers flapped wildly, as if I were experiencing a local fit of epilepsy that was only affecting my arm. When I worked up the courage to take another glance, I tried gripping it tight to stop its shuddering but only succeeded in doing so slightly. I glared once again at the shapes and various shades of reds and pinks contained within the still frame, and realized I was sweating profusely, creating droplets on the image in my hand. Still, when I stared through them, it couldn't be. I knew this boy. There was no mistaking it. The picture was blurry, out of focus, relatively low resolution, and close up, as if zoomed in from a distance away. The blonde hair, those blue eyes, wide open in fear. Well, I'd seen that face every day for the past six years, and several times a day over the course of the previous few weeks. His name was Aaron Martin, and he was the only child of a couple living five houses down from me. See, Aaron was a bright and energetic boy, and most folks in the neighborhood knew of him. The kid is nice enough when his parents are around, but a little more than mischievous when their eyes are turned. 
More than once, the residents of this neighborhood had been victim of the occasional burning bag of dog poop on their front step, only to be dismayed upon stomping it into extinguishment. And let's not forget some of the broken fences and annoying prank phone calls. I mean, we all knew who it was, but, you know, boys will be boys. And from what I always understood, the behavior was basically tolerated. And Aaron, well, he was well-loved throughout the community. A few weeks ago, Aaron attended school and never returned home. The investigation was all over the news, and I even joined my neighbors in the search for him to no avail. Aaron had simply disappeared, and no one knew what had happened to him. In this picture held tight in my grip, I saw blonde hair stained red, glistening eyes that leaked large streaming tears, and a desperate look within those eyes, as if pleading desperately for mercy. A notion that was underscored by the gloved hand that gripped his hair firm and a large hunting knife held against the skin of his neck right beneath his jaw. The shining blade appeared to be pressing hard into the soft flesh of the boy's throat, and near its tip was the beginning of an incision that, even though the poor quality of the picture, clearly leaked red. The police might not have known what happened to Aaron, but someone sure did, besides me, and there could be no doubt anymore that the boy was indeed dead. Okay, okay, I know. Some of you are thinking, why didn't you just go to the police? Now, honestly, I was in a bit of a shock for a while after that. I didn't really know what to think. Some cruel, elaborate joke? Totally not funny, I'll agree. A threat, perhaps. I needed time to mull these thoughts over my mind before I could confront another human being with them, let alone the police. The day ended with the decision to sleep on it. Sleeping on it led to contemplation while at work, remaining unresolved even upon leaving for the day. The approximate 24 hours allotted to myself was apparently insufficient, because I was still in the grip of bewilderment and confusion as to the correct course of action when I returned home. And that's when I once again noticed a white, triangular shape protruding from the top of my mailbox. I knew before I even had stepped towards it that it was the corner of another envelope. My hands trembled as I reached out to take it from the box. I was in such a rush to gain entry to my house that I nearly dropped the keys while attempting to fumble them into the deadbolt. Luckily, I managed to catch them before they had slipped into the space between the door and the deck, a structural issue that I had been meaning to fix. I then jostled the correct key into the lock, and once inside I shut the door behind me and I frantically tore at the white paper, almost ripping the picture inside in the process. The photograph clearly depicted a young woman with fire engine red hair. This one's resolution was even worse than the first, and if it wasn't for that vibrant hair color, I wouldn't have been able to accurately identify who she was. This was Stacy Cranston. I mean, it had to be. 
Maybe if I hadn't received that picture the day before, I might not have been able to make this assertion. Stacy Cranston, as the news had named her, was a sophomore college student believed to have been abducted from campus grounds, 40 or so miles from here, about a week ago. Blurry, yes, but there's no mistaking it. And in combination with the previous day's envelope, I knew that I was right. The police were still looking for her if I wasn't mistaken. But there was no doubt that Stacy Cranston was dead. The more I stared at the image, the more I realized that poor quality wasn't solely due to a low resolution, but also due to grime. Now the idea landed on my mind like a sack of lead potatoes, crushing my perceptions of reality and reducing them into something almost not recognizable to me anymore. The picture had appeared blurry and low quality, in part because it was taken through a closed window from beyond a filthy smudged pane of glass, splots and dots of red. The girl behind was more crimson than the colors of flesh or clothes, and I honestly couldn't tell if she was naked or simply wore clothes saturated heavy with blood. Unable to gain a clear definition, I couldn't tell for sure. But the darkened, seemingly leaking space where a right eye should have been insinuated that I had been gouged out, appearing in the photograph as if it were scratched out with a dark black marker, only just much, much more gruesome. My stomach churned with anxiety. I peeked out all of my windows after locking each one, expecting to see someone outside, a danger to me and my life but I saw nothing. I waited up until the early hours of the morning, while the world slept around me, expecting to hear something lurking or begging intrusion. And I heard nothing. I would like to say that I stayed awake all night long, that I was so fearful I couldn't sleep, because that's how it felt. I had no dreams or nightmares, at least none that I could remember, but I distinctly remember waking up. See, it was well after the time I needed to get up for work, but I had already resigned myself to taking the day off. I wasn't even going to call in. The only portion of my morning routine that I followed was taking an immediate piss. I didn't bother changing my clothes or combing my hair. I didn't eat breakfast or brush my teeth. I simply rotated position around my house, staring out varying windows at intervals, like a guard performing rounds. Now, maybe I had been there when I'd gotten up, delivered the night before, but I was sure I would have seen the motion light kick on. Maybe it was delivered in the morning while I was observing the world out back, through the window on the opposite side of my house. But when I was mentally prompted to open the door and check the mailbox, a small, rectangular package sat waiting to greet me on the mat just beyond the aperture. I knew I had to grab it. I needed to pick it up and had to know its contents. But, motivated as I was, I hesitated for a good moment or two. 
the hesitation being related to the other gifts, as it were. But the last two were delivered in simple envelopes. This was a package. It was a box about 10 inches long, 6 inches wide, and at least 3 inches thick. I did, and didn't, want to know what was inside. In one quick motion, I resolved myself to grab it and retreat back into my home. This time, tearing open the brown paper and cardboard beneath provided me with no answers, and my anxiety raged unabated. In my hands, I held the blank VHS tape. Since the last VCR that I owned was stuffed somewhere into an unnamed box in the dark recesses of my attic, my next course of action would be to go spelunking for it in the crawl spaces. Two hours later, my VCR was retrieved and hooked up to my bedroom television. I closed my curtains and I turned the volume down to a manageable level before inserting the tape. But inside, I began searching for the courage to push play. But the device initiated this option automatically, distilling my heart for a moment as my mind raced to catch up. <laughs> Blue screen. There was nothing but a blue screen for a good 30 seconds, and I was just about to let a small breath of relief escape my lips when the blue abruptly changed to static, at which point I was sure more was due to appear on the screen. I was right. Now they say a picture is worth a thousand words, and that might be true, but if it is, then a moving picture is worth a million. The images I had received implied and conveyed depravity and malice, but footage playing out before my eyes added movement and purposeful intent to these implications, accompanied by coinciding sounds of agony, pleas for help, flesh tearing and nearly undetectable sinister chuckling. As before, I recognized the victim on screen. An ex-girlfriend of mine, but the laughter behind it as she sobbed, the hands and build of the body that leaned in over top of her as he began to methodically remove her left arm, lent a familiarity in that face that sinister face sporting apathetic eyes and contrasting evil grin. Well, I knew those, too, all too well. I gathered the pictures, removed the tape from the VCR, and along with a few essentials needed for vagrancy, I left my house and came here to post this before I go and disappear off the grid for good. It's clear to me that I'm being followed being stalked. But to what ends? I cannot say. But all I truly, really want to know more than anything is, who the hell has been taking pictures of me killing people? <laughs>